Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka with your host, Patrick Boyer. broadcast explored how exceptional postal service boosted Muskoka's vacation economy during the Roaring Twenties a century ago. One of its distinctive features being that this district had more summer post offices than any other part of Canada. Well, let's move on from the mail system to another important tool of communication. Alexander Graham Bell's amazing telephone, which he successfully developed down at Brantford in 1875, changed the world. Now today, if you look at that all-purpose tool you're using and still call a phone, you'll admit it also works as a flashlight, camera, weather vane, library, consultant, research assistant, medical advisor, postal system, recording device, and yes, is still even a telephone you can speak to others uh, on at a distance. Yet it's not just wireless and portable. It now reveals to strangers your geographic location, political leanings, consumer tendencies, most intimate private habits, and can even provide pathways to such twilight zones as the dark net and encrypted digital currency. (laughs) Alexander Bell's original model phone has continuously morphed with research and applied science into something much, much more. Infant technology grown to a full adulthood. But for now, Because our current series of broadcasts here on Muskoka's community station is studying the roaring 1920s, let's see how the business of telephones got started and what it looked like a century ago. And of course, because our programs are about Muskoka history, we'll also see how telephones, while altering communications throughout the world, were changing life for Muskokans too. Like most inventions, a number of steps for Dr. Bell's telephone had to be taken. First, from his laboratory to the patent office, then through production of phones and telephone equipment. Next, making people aware of this new communications breakthrough to stimulate market uh, place demand for phones. And finally, organizing business operations to install and service them. After 1875 and getting his patent, 
it took several years for the telephone's practical advantages to become recognized. Bell was busy on this front, from demonstrating it to Brazil's enthusiastic Emperor Dom Pedro at a World's Fair in Philadelphia in 1876, to leasing a telephone to Prime Minister Alexander Mackenzie at Ottawa in 1877. In 1880, Parliament enacted a bill incorporating the Bell Telephone Company of Canada and giving it an effective monopoly across the land. This enabled Bell to expand operations as swiftly as the company's combination of financing and technical advances in phone devices, telephone wires, and switching equipment permitted. By 1900, Bell Canada was prospering with surging demand for its service. As a private company, rather than a government-run service mandated to provide phones to everyone, Bell focused on the cream at the top. Big cities where its capital costs per phone customer were lower and revenue higher rather than rural and remote areas. Thus, by a coincidence of historic timing in the late 1800s and early 1900s, precisely when Muskoka was being settled for lumbering and farming and vacationing, people in Ontario were embracing the advantages of having a telephone. Society and, and commerce alike were operating in a totally new dimension. With Central, the phone company's switchboard, a customer was just a ring away from the doctor, pharmacist, minister, the mill, a relative or neighbor. Distance shrank. Time was saved, business expanded, and communities became extended. Optimism about the modern new 20th century sparkled in everyone's life. Well, most everyone. Getting a telephone was sometimes not easy. In cities, as I said, where many people lived in close proximity, phone companies eagerly continued to develop phone service. Running poles along the street enabled connecting lines to many, many houses. The return on investment, you know, the cost of all the poles, wires, telephones, and switching centers with staff could be readily recovered by the high number of customers. In rural areas of the province and remote developing Northland regions like Muskoka, it was the opposite. Sparsely populated areas and widely scattered homesteads and small villages were unattractive investments for city-based phone companies. The irony in this, of course, was, <laughs> was that the need for telephone communication was so much greater in far-flung communities. But city dwellers, by strength of numbers, had the advantage. When groups of rural people approached Bell, 
seeking telephone service in their community, invariably they were told it might be years before this was possible, leaving no alternative but to establish a telephone system of their own. This solution of local people creating a telephone company is an unwritten chapter of Muskoka history. So we're now edging into new territory here. It's a story about the technology itself, all the science and engineering that kept advancing to produce your present day phone, and about the radical transformation telephones caused in society. Linking these twin elements were the men and women who, in addition to telephone giant Bell Canada, and often despite Bell, brought telephone service to Ontario's small towns and farms, including here in Muskoka. Our ancestors a century ago were determined self-starters. Many of these independent, independent phone companies were, were quite small having a few rural lines connected to the nearest Bell Exchange for switching service. But others established their own exchanges and only connected to a Bell toll center when long distance service was needed, for which Bell charged a fee. Several independent phone companies grew into sizable operations with hundreds of customers Muskoka's three principal towns got relatively early telephone service, Huntsville by 1883, Gravenhurst in 1885, and Bracebridge in 1893. In part, this was thanks to the sway of summer residents connected with Bell, as well as the influence of others around the lakes now accustomed to telephone service in southern cities, and wanting the same during their vacation season in Muskoka. With phones in these three towns, part-time Muskokans could come in from the lake to make their calls the same way they came in to do business at the post office, bank, and shops. After a brief station break, we'll pick up more of this little-known story of how self-reliant Muskokans went about getting telephone service in remote parts of the district. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka with your host, Patrick Boyer. Welcome back. I'm Patrick Boyer. On this Modern History of Muskoka program, we're looking at the early years of introducing telephones into society. By the late 1800s, phones were in service in Muskoka's three towns, but we need to delve, we need to delve deeper into the little-known history of the district's more than two dozen independent telephone companies. Yes, upwards of 30 of them 
a surprising number for anyone familiar only with the dominance of Bell Canada. In 1907, five local phone companies appeared on the scene. Grace Bridge and Muskoka Lakes Telephone Company Limited, W.E. Campbell Phone Lines, Muskoka Independent Telephone System, Huntsville and Portage Telephone System, and C.O. Shaw's Telephone Line, which was taken over by Huntsville and Portage Telephone System in 1913. In 1908, the next year, three more opened for business. Sparrow Lake Private Telephone Line, Cashy Sparrow Lake Telephone System, and Lake of Bays and Halliburton Telephone Company Limited. Also in the early 1900s, George Mason Telephones began service in Perry Sound District, a business taken over in 1921 by Muskoka Independent Telephone System. Through the teens came many more, three in, in 1912, the Muskoka River Telephone Company Limited, Muskoka Victoria and Halliburton Telephone Company Limited, and the Grunwald Private Telephone Line. In 1914, the Huntsville and Lake of Bays Telephone Company Limited entered the scene, followed by three more the following year. Monk Municipal Telephone System, Beatrice Telephone Association, which was taken over by Watt Municipal Telephone System the next year, and the Raymond Telephone Association, which also became part of Watt Municipal Telephone System in 1916. That same year, 1916, the Rosso Independent Telephone System and the Watt Township Municipal Telephone System opened their lines for business. In 1917, the Doe Lake Telephone Company Limited started operating in Oakley Township, followed in 1919 by the Purbrook and Fraserburg Telephone Company Limited. Many private, locally owned telephone companies were now operating in Muskoka. But more were still to come. By the 1920s, another half dozen began providing telephone service. These were the Ferryport Telephone Line of Muskoka in 1921, three in 1922, the Muskoka and Perry Sound Telephone Company Limited, Ride Municipal Telephone System, and Humphrey Municipal Telephone System, serving customers in both Muskoka and Perry Sound. Then 1924, brought into service the North Monk Municipal Telephone System. Even in 1931, a couple more joined this large body of Muskoka independent telephone companies, such as Browning Island Telephone Line and Medora and Wood Municipal Telephone System. So just that quick snapshot of independent phone companies serving many different parts of Muskoka already makes clear there was a lot of non-Bell phone activity underway in the district. Let's add more details to this picture. First, the timing. Although fewer than a dozen independent telephone systems had been organized in Ontario before 1900, the earliest was founded in 1886, none existed in Muskoka 
until 1907. Then suddenly five appeared in one year. What caused this tremendous expansion in the early years of the 20th century? It was happening not just in Muskoka, but across the province. The explanation is that by 1905, Canada's Postmaster General, William Mullock, chaired a committee to investigate the prospect of establishing a national telephone system. Other countries had created a government-run public telephone monopoly to extend service to all and keep rates low. Yet other countries were leaving it for private enterprise to sort everything out. The committee studied what these other countries were doing and, and read hundreds of briefs submitted by interested parties. <laughs> then it failed to recommend any course of action. Although it was known, Moloch strongly favored local municipal telephone systems. However, the extensive newspaper coverage of the committee's work, this was a time when there was no radio, television, or internet, uh, coverage, uh, at least caused a change in Bell Telephone's attitude towards the independence. Prior to 1905, Bell kept them bottled up in their backwater areas by refusing connections to its long-distance network. Now, with winds of change blowing in favor of public ownership of the telephone system and seeming inclination in this direction at the highest levels of government, Bell tacked and began following a different course. It signed toll traffic agreements with its smaller neighbors. It assisted in establishing uh, local phone systems in remote and rural areas. It still wanted monopoly control, but Bell would play the long game. Everybody was keen to have a telephone, no matter how small their community and many were more than ready to set up their own phone systems for self-service. In 1910, the provincial government recognized that a modernizing province needed structure and rules and assigned responsibility for regulating independent phone systems to the Ontario Railway and Municipal Board. The government estimated there were now 460 independent that is, non-Bell, telephone companies operating most in, across the province, most of them in small towns and rural areas. Well, who was starting all these? In many cases, you may be as surprised as I was to discover that the prime mover was a medical doctor. In the early in 1920s, Ed Downs, a salesman for the Northern Electric Company selling phone equipment to the independents, quipped that he should carry medical supplies as a sideline because so many of his customers were medical men. Out from Toronto, Downs visited dozens of doctors actively managing a telephone system in addition to conducting a large rural medical practice. They had started local phone systems for their convenience in keeping in more frequent and easier contact with patients in a neighboring village or on outlying farms. In Muskoka, 
one of Down's customers, lived in Port Carling. Dr. Robert Ethelbert Joyce, who'd answered a Toronto newspaper ad run by the Village Council, had come north in 1923 to be resident doctor and Port Carling's medical officer of health. Bert Joyce rose at all hours to handle emergencies, traveled great distances in darkness and during winter, several times in perilous conditions that almost cost him his life. Before coming to Port Carling, Dr. Joyce had discovered the advantages of telephones while practicing medicine in the Oakville area. With community support and council collaboration, he founded the Medora and Wood Municipal Telephone System at Port Carling in, 1913, in 1931. Other independent phone companies were set up by owners of country general stores. The store proprietor began by running a line to the community where he obtained supplies to facilitate both ordering and picking up goods when they'd arrived. But soon he also allowed farmers in the vicinity to connect phone lines and become parties to his line, the famous party line, on which neighbors often listened in silently to others' calls. Each of them paid the country store owner a subscription fee. Among such lines in Muskoka would have been a few I mentioned by an individual's name. A number of other independent phone companies were established by lumbering or mining operations in remote settings that lack telephone service. They'd construct a line to the nearest operating phone system just for their own use. But then a local resident would ask to be given a phone on the company line. When that happened, others requested the same service too. The company needed to remain on good terms with its scattered neighbors, no matter how long the line ran out to their homestead, and before long found itself, in addition to its core business, in the telephone business too. The Doe Lake and the Cashy Sparrow Lake phone systems fell into this category. The Sparrow Lake system was built in 1908 by J.W. Clipsham, who, with his family, operated a summer resort named Unita Rest. Three phones were installed, one at the Lakeside Resort, another at the home of Clipsham's mother-in-law, the third in his nearby lumber mill on Cashy Lake. The three subscribers jointly owned the system, and each paid a third of the cost to build lines out to Highway 11, where they connected with Bell Canada's pole and lines south to Bell's exchange at Severn Bridge. As years passed, upwards of a dozen more homes along the route subscribed. In 1915, the lumber mill closed and Clipsum became sole owner of this system. By 1929, his son Esmond and daughter Orma took over the resort and the small, yet vital, phone system. Esmond operated it for 30 years until the cost of converting to dial phones led him to sell out to Bell, which was then converting its Severn Exchange to dial and always happy to expand its monopoly. Between Bell and the independents, as well as between independent telephone companies themselves, there was 
plenty of rivalry and often disputes about encroaching on one another's territory. At the same time, there was a growing movement supporting telephones being run as a public service by the government, which became the model implemented in Canada's western provinces. By 1921, the number of non-Bell companies operating in Ontario had climbed to the truly impressive number of 689. They owned 115,000 telephones, one quarter of all the province's phones, a ratio that also held for Muskoka. In the hundred years since, changes in ownership, technology, as well as the social and cultural transformation triggered by telephone use, have been nothing short of revolutionary. But they all proceeded from the foundation of early telephone service and those determined local Muskokans who wanted to participate in the modern age, even when it meant doing so on their own dime. Thank you for listening to another episode of Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka. Our producer here at Hunter's Bay Radio in Huntsville is Jacob Snow Krieger. I'm Patrick Boyer.